It's really good to um, be here for the first service of the new year, and uh, Christmas seems a long time ago now, uh, but it is really good uh, to celebrate that time, think about the birth of Christ, but also um, he came for a purpose. He came for a purpose. He built his church. Uh, He said, on this rock I will build my church. That was on Peter's confession of faith. You are the Christ. On that rock he will build his church. And I want to talk a little about that this morning as we head, and Tom's going to lead us in communion after. And I've I've put a title on the sermon, Building a Strong, Healthy Church. And when I say building, I can't build anything, and you can't build anything, but the Lord builds it. And I think it's in our obedience to him that the church grows, uh, because anything healthy grows. Anything unhealthy tends to wither and diet, and I think anything healthy is designed to grow. We expect babies to grow, and I should expect the church to grow. And in fact, as I've mentioned a few times already, we should be encouraged because a, 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 a numerical fact is that the church now globally is growing at the fastest rate since the resurrection, which is incredible. So we've got a lot to give thanks for, but we're, we're talking, or I'm talking particularly about the church here uh, across all three congregations uh, this morning. So first of all, Happy New Year again. 2020 uh, is among us. Uh, Some of us would be glad to see the back of 2019, or you might have had a really good 2019, but all of us can look forward with anticipation. And what happens at New Year? What's the favourite thing everyone does at New Year? Resolutions. You've got to love that word, haven't you? And it reminds me, I think I've told you before, uh, when I was a broker, Fitness First used to come in to uh, see us because they were listed on the London Stock Exchange and they said, it's brilliant. And I don't know if you've got any friends that have done this, but in November, all the gyms give the free guest passes out because they know that all the guests are going to sign up in January. And in the old days, they don't do it anymore, they used to make you sign up for 12 months. And the reason they did that is because they knew... And this was a fact that Fitness First told us that 90% of people who signed up in January were no longer there in February, but they had 12 months' money, so they were very, very happy. And those same people would sign up the following uh, January, uh, but wouldn't be there in February. So good intentions, there's nothing wrong with that, resolutions are good, but I wonder if it's more about a general attitude, that's what we're kind of talking about in our house, a a general attitude of going forward, rather than these big demanding things straight off the bat, rather than a crash diet, you may say I'll generally eat healthier, rather than cutting everything out, maybe I'll be a little bit more moderate, rather than a massive change, which probably would be too much a shock uh, to the system and hard to keep up, I'll commit to many small things, uh, whether it's in my attitude or whatever it is, my thinking, that overall will make a big difference. As we enter into 2020, uh, we're going to be starting a new series, so you should have been given one of these, but if you haven't, don't worry, we've got loads of them. And if you lose them, we've got loads of them. And at the end of the series, we're going to give them all out again, because I know most of you would have lost them. Uh, But we've got lots of them, and this is a deliberate thing. We don't just like uh, cutting down trees. This is for you to put on your fridge, uh, to keep in your Bible, uh, to scribble over, um, whatever you want to do, but take it seriously. It's a, a short series on fruitfulness on the front line. Much of the material is taken from LICC, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, um, but we're putting our own spin on that as well. And the encouragement is to be more like Christ wherever you are. Okay, and Everything you do can be a, a, a small piece of evangelism, whether it's putting your arm around a neighbour who's upset, buying someone a cup of tea in a cafe, whatever it is, there's so much you can do, and we're going to really encourage you about that. You'll notice um, when you get the card, on the preaching plane, it says, make an impact, what now? And actually, Gary's going to take that for us. And we've not left it blank um, at the end, deliberately, just because it's Gary. Uh, We've done it, uh, because on the preaching plane, you'll see it, but we've done it, we've put a question mark. You know, you're going to sign up, you're going to commit to that, or scribble something in there that you're going to commit to do. So that 
Don't throw it away like I just did. Uh, that will be launched. It's really two weeks' time because we've got the baptismal service next week, although Tom is doing one of the congregations uh, a bit early. But, but we really believe in this. We really believe um, that we need to have vision and faith moving forward as a church. And we did coin a phrase, and, and I've got to say, we hadn't heard it before then, but now we've seen it everywhere, so it's a bit, it's a bit cheesy. But 2020 vision. And we thought, what a great year to really focus on what we're doing, really focus on who we are as a church, really focus on the impact you can have wherever you are. 2020 vision is perfect, and we don't suggest that we have a perfect vision. You won't have a perfect vision, but it will be a vision, and there'll be some good bits uh, in there. And really what is it? It's to seek and save the lost. Uh, We can back all of this up with the Bible, to make disciples, to help them become part of the family, the church. We want to be looking at our fringe, which which is vast, um, it's great going out, so I'm loving the healing rooms and everything else which we'll do, the prayers in Costa, but we're actually involved with probably over 100 families that are connected here in various ministries that don't come uh, to church other than those times. So there's, there's work to be done and there's people uh, to be brought into the kingdom. And we want to move boldly into the future to maximise our mission and ministry with the resources we've got, which are not unlimited. And one of the things a lot of people do at this time of year is look at their health. Uh, have you noticed that uh, in January? I mean, I do it. I look at my health and then I tend to look away. It's not very, very nice. Um, some people might be uh, on the outside very thin and some people uh, definitely on the outside are not uh, very thin. Uh, but on the inside, we don't know what's going on. They might look good. They might be unhealthy on the inside. I've known people who can eat like a horse um, and they're incredibly thin and I really, I really don't like them. Because, because I only have to look at a Victoria sponge and I'll somehow my waist expands. Um, and, and other people, you might think, are a little bit overweight, but sometimes they're healthier than the person uh, who's thin. They look good, but maybe on the inside they're not as healthy as they, as they think. It's what's on the inside, and the Bible tells us this, doesn't it? It's the heart. It's the inside that counts. And in church life, we may, we may like to look good on the outside, But it's on the inside that it counts. It's the heart that counts. We could be a large church, but a very unhealthy one. Really unhealthy. And we don't want to be that. And I'm passionate about the church. It's why I do what I do. I really believe in it. And if I asked you a question this morning, what is the church? How would you answer that? What is the church? You're allowed to call out answers. Oh, Adrian... I was hoping that would be last. <laughs> Absolutely right. Adrian, he's a good man, isn't he? You know, very good. Exactly. It's a body of Christ. And so if, you th- if we really grasp that, if I really grasp that, the church, you, are the body of Christ, I perhaps would treat the church differently uh, or speak about it differently because I'm effectively speaking about Christ. It's not to say we're perfect, but I think we need to be cautious on, on, the, on the sanctity and holiness of the people of God coming together. We are the body of Christ. I wouldn't go around um, demeaning Christ, and therefore I don't want to go around demeaning the church. I want to think highly of the church. It's not perfect as Christ is perfect. One day it will be, but it's not yet. So we'll have our faults and our failings. There's nothing wrong with, with um, you know, teach, uh, rebuking where it's necessary and even calling out leaders if they're preaching the wrong things. Not that you disagree with them, but if they're not preaching the Bible. Um, but of course, it's the body of Christ. So it's something to be honoured. And I want to talk about the church as we move in, particularly our church here. But it's a real privilege to be called, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. What a privilege. 
And we looked at Christmas, didn't we? The one I am saying, uh, he said all the I ams, but the one he said was, you are the light of the world. That's the one that he said. Well, in this case, we've got Christ, and we're the body of Christ. And so he's identifying with us. And we, talk, we hear about that, don't we, right at the end of the Bible, about the bride meeting the bridegroom. So we're being prepared, and we're not perfect yet, but we'll be one day. So 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but many. You are the body, collectively. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Basically, everyone's important. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And it goes on uh, to say how we all support one another. But right at the end, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And so it means when we come together, we're, we're the body of Christ. It means all of us have our parts play. It's not, it shouldn't really be a take it or leave it thing. If you're not here, you can't have your parts to play. You're not fulfilling uh, a purpose for which Christ has called you. You're part of the body of Christ. So a take it or leave it theology is not really what God intends. And this, I think, is a beautiful, wonderful picture of the church. And I do take church seriously. Well before I was a minister, I used to love coming to church. And sometimes I hated coming to church. But I always came. Uh, There are times when I don't feel like worshipping. Most of the time I do. But there are times when I don't. But I come anyway. Because there's a sacrifice of praise. Life isn't always great. Sometimes it's really hard. But I find if I praise God in those hardships, somehow he meets with me and really rewards it. Really rewards it. And that's been put to the test very, very recently. And so I take the church seriously, as I know you do. And I want the church to be healthy. I want it to grow. I want it to be fruitful. And they're all the positive things that any Christian should want for their church. But there is another person, Satan, who's named in the Bible. He comes against the church. He comes against you. Because you're the body of Christ. He came against Christ. You're the body of Christ. He is going to come against you. Of course he will. But he won't have the final victory because the victory is Christ alone. So I want it to be fruitful, but Satan comes against it. He loves to discourage you. He loves to weaken you. He loves to try and undermine you. And why all these things? Because the church is the body of Christ. And so the Christians should be committed to the church and its mission and ministry, recognising there's one trying to isolate you tell you it's not important and be a Christian on your own uh, you'll be fine isolation is not good Ephesians 2 19 to 22 said consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building when he talks about the building here it's the people of God It's the people of God. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Can you get a sense of the the holiness of the church, of the importance of the church? And in him, you too are being built together to become, and I love this, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow. I mean, seriously, that, you know, 
It's not the building, is it? But there should be a sense of a non-believer coming into this place feeling the Spirit of God when there's so many people here with the Spirit of God in them. Okay, because it, it, this is the, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by spirit. We should be taking church seriously. The church is the body of Christ. It's made up of the people of God. What does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to make those resolutions or just lifestyle changes that are, are going to say, yeah, we are a healthy church. Well, don't want just, we don't want just to be a fat church with lots of bad stuff. You know, it's called to be healthy. What does it mean to strengthen the church? You'll be pleased to know, well, I'm 10 minutes in already. I've got 10 points this morning, but we're going to rush through them. Not rush through them. They are bullet points, and I'm going to put them in the church magazine. But um, just grasp these, and uh, they'll be on the overhead. You can make notes and ask me for my notes. It's fine. But they're fundamental, and I've got these off a mixture of things through my own study of the Bible, which is the main thing, looking at various leaders' websites, church websites, and kind of collated these as we move into 2020 and recognising and seeing all that God has for us. Let's take these biblical principles on board and ask you personally, ask the Holy Spirit to be your guide. Don't be distracted by Satan who seeks to undermine you and the body of Christ, uh, the church. I should say all of these things have to be surrounded by prayer. Prayer has to be over all these things. I didn't even put prayer as a separate heading. It should be like the, the watermark that goes across everything we do. So the first point, let's whisk through them, uh, committing to the family, Hebrews 10, 23, 27. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us, not consi- sorry, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think church takes commitment. I, I, I do, because it's not perfect, and people upset you, and I'll upset you at some point, and you'll probably upset me. But I love the church. I love, it's family. Uh, recently we was going through a hard time. There's nothing more I wanted to do than come and worship God. I wanted to be a part of this family, and many of you can testify to that as well. Being part of the body is really, really important, and it's part of our Christian walk. Uh, we're looking at loads of things at um, uh, a leadership level. We recognise things have changed. We're looking at the way we do things, the members' meetings. We were talking about the members' meetings, if you think about it. Go back 30 years. That was the main way people found out what was going on. It was an information thing. And, and I, th- I think we're still too much of that. I think it's too much one way. We're talking to you, and we might ask for a bit of a comment, but mostly it's hands up. And I don't know whether that's really what uh, is supposed to be. And we recognise things change. We recognise that there's much um, more modern ways of communicating things and everything else. We're not going to do away with church members' meetings, but we're certainly looking to reduce them. But what we will do... And that's probably for 2021, because we need to bring that to the membership. But what we will do is ask for commitment to them. Now, if, if we're only asking you for three evenings a week, don't tell me you can't make it. And if, if you can't, genuinely, that's fine. Yeah, well, I told you it's commitment. <laughs> now three evenings a year sounds really easy. <laughs> okay? Sorry. So if we've got one, we've not decided this yet, but say we had one AGM, we've got the one budget, two other church meetings, bearing in mind we can call a church meeting whenever we want, but we would say to members, commit to those four things. And, and if you really can't, then fine, come off the membership and, and go on the uh, friends list, because we really believe in it, but we want it not to be how it has been. 
um, you know, let's talk to you and sort of want, we do want your feedback, but they go on and then people want to get home. So what we want to do is much more, let's hear from God, um, a, a much smaller agenda, uh, very much more um, probably business side done over in half an hour, but then move on listening to God and been praying into it, fasting, um, and really, really discerning the mind of Christ. And I don't believe three evenings a year is, is much to ask. I think if you're a committed member, we need to live up to those membership responsibilities, subject to ill health and travel and all the rest of it. But you know what I mean. If you've got no intention of coming, okay. But don't pretend you do. And I think we need to get serious about church. We've got lots we want to do, but we need you to help us discern the mind of Christ. So less, there's going to be less, uh, but we're going to ask you to commit because we think it's vitally important. They're going to change in the way they are. That's part of the commitment to the family. It's not the only part. Um, of course, sometimes people move on, but to some people, probably too many, are too quick to do so. Someone upset me or a preacher, I didn't like what he said, I'm off. Um, that's not part of being committed to a church. Stick with it as, as much as you can. Sometimes people do have to leave, I, I accept that. But commit to the family. In isolation, if you move away, you're a target. So many times I've heard people say, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. It hardly ever ends well. And that's Christian ministers as well, who've got fed up with churches they leave, we'll have a bit of a break, it turns into years, and I've seen, it, I've seen it go atrociously wrong. We're called to encourage one another. So that's the first point, um, and the longest one. Um, the second point, love your church. We should love our church. Um, let us consider, uh, verse 24 of that passage, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I think we can be positive about our church. It's not perfect. Uh, but don't go around saying all the bad stuff. There's not much bad stuff, but let's speak well of the church. It should be attractive. Um, when I preach elsewhere, it's not often these days, but every single time I do, people come up to me and tell me everything's wrong with their church. It's the most unattractive thing that not only you can say to a minister, but to anyone. Imagine a visitor to church and then start listing all the things that have upset you over the last year. I hear the complaints, and it's not attractive. Um, Someone went to Holy Trinity Brompton uh, last year and they said, oh, it was so obvious when you walked in the door, they were proud of their church, a godly pride. Um, if you asked where someone some, some, somewhere was, they said, let me show you, you know, and they'd walk you there. And it's a brilliant sense of welcome. You know, how can we do it? A really easy thing. It's kind of evangelism as well. You know, Dave uh, uh, Lodge put stuff out on Facebook, sometimes we do, like it. You know, all your friends will see it then. Share it if you're really an evangelist. Um, invite people. You know, love our church. We do a lot of good stuff here, a lot of ministries. And, and I am proud of the church. I know we're not perfect, but we do a lot of good things. Uh, I had my hair cut the other week, last week. Which is all right now. Um, and um, uh, I was waiting, but he didn't, he didn't do it. They always do. So, oh, you've got a day off. And I go, no, no, it's all right. I'm pretty flexible on the time. And I said, what do you do? And I'm in, right? Uh, but this time he didn't. But I had this whole preach, uh, uh, whole thing, which I nicked from J. John, where I thought, if he asked me, I'm going to say it. And like, what do you do for a living? I'm in the business of behavioural alteration. And then let's see, let's see how it goes. And start talking about, we've got members that have set up schools, and we've got, we do toddlers, and we do all this stuff, and there's a food bank. And he's going to say, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got, we've got someone who's got an MBE now. You know, I can say all this stuff, and he's going to say... And say, well, what do you do? And you say, we're the church. We're global. We send people everywhere. We can be proud 
of being Christians and what God does in his church. So let's be proud of our church. Uh, Third thing, stewardship, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Um, uh, We love mission and ministry. There's so much more we want to do. But the first time since I've ever been in this church, I would say that the finances... I'm not concerned because we know we've got God's got it in control and we know that we were going to run at a deficit, which we are, but it's now we're, we're thinking, well, we can't really move forward with anything else until we get that in line. So please give generously. Um, I think for years we've had a massive surplus and so therefore giving's gone elsewhere. I've written the article about it in the church magazine. I did try and stop it just so you know because I thought actually December's not the best month but it had already gone to print. Um, but yeah, I think stewardship, we've got a responsibility as leaders to where that finance goes, but finance under, underpins the ministry of the church. We're now at a point where on the team we're saying, well, we can't really do that because we've, the finances have got to get in order because we've now got a full team and it costs. We've got two buildings and it costs. So stewardship, we've got to be uh, generous, I think, as a church. The fourth thing is be distinct, living in a way that is distinctly for God in this world. Only one passage I looked at for here, right at the beginning of Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do you find that, you see a load of churches around, they're trying to conform to the pattern of this world right now, on many different issues. You know, we've got to fit in. Where does it say that in the Bible? It does not say it, you've got to fit in. It's called you to be distinct. And the church is being challenged over and over again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We are called to be distinct. And there are challenges facing the church, there are challenges facing this church, but we need to honour the word of God and, and be distinct. In the, We should be different. We should be different. Who was I talking to yesterday? It's just come to mind. It's not even in my notes. Is it Tottenham manager a Christian? Have I got... Liverpool. Liverpool. Is it you? It was you I was speaking to. Was it? Okay. Yeah, good old Tom. Um, yeah. And it was Derek... What's his name? Adams. Derek Adams. He's a lovely bloke as well. He's not here, though. Um, Derek Adams was talking about uh, the Liverpool manager. That was it. And he said, going on, he said, do you know, if I didn't know better, you'd think he was a Christian, all the things he says and does. I went, yeah, yeah, I hadn't clue who it was. Tom said, actually, he is a Christian. And it got us onto the conversation. I said, well, people, if I didn't tell them what I did, but I just was me, would they know I'm a Christian? Because I thought that was a great accolade for the Liverpool manager. Uh, that people, you know, Derek didn't know. He said, oh, you'd think he'd be a Christian. And I thought, what a great illustration for tomorrow. And I forgot it, and I've had to ask Tom. So there it is. We should be distinct enough that people see the difference. The fifth thing, uh, devoted to scripture. Read, study, hear the preaching of God's word. Make it your ultimate authority. If you start going down your own roads and I want it to fit what I feel or what I feel culture is telling me, we're in dangerous territory. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thought and attitudes of the heart. And then we've got uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writing to his young pastor. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed, not just the bits we like and the bits we don't like we can cast aside. All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training 
in righteousness. It's the only time in the Bible uh, of the Greek work theopneustos, which literally means God-breathed. And it is the word of God, and it's a powerful book, and we need to give its right credence. Uh, six, uh, being sold out. What did I put up there? I'll put sold out. Being sold out, fully committed. There's a freedom in that, rather than a take-it-or-leave-it attitude, rather than, well, you know, then Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, wherever it is, there's always going to be things getting in the way. But being sold out, being committed, being committed to the things of God, being committed to your marriage and family and the church family. Luke 9.62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We were called to leave a life behind when we become Christians. When those four people get baptised next week, they're dying to their self. They're becoming new people. We're not to keep looking behind, saying, was life a bit better? Remember the Israelites did that, didn't they? And and it didn't didn't go well for them. They had to come back to God. And so, for instance, sometimes us, we we make our Christian walk and say, life was a bit easier. And frankly, it probably was. But it's not what it's about. Your names are written in the book of life. Right? Luke 10. And, and that's what we rejoice over. We can all have our ministries and all of our opinions and everything else. But we can't keep looking back. I've got to walk forward with God. And there's a freedom in saying, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to go down that road. Romans 12, 11, Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Fully committed. It's a challenge for us in this 2020 time. Being really committed to this family here. It's worth it. Seventh thing, evangelism. I speak about that a lot, so and time's getting on, so I'm not going to labour the point. But the, the, we've got the Great Commission. I always say it, that is our that is our mission statement. I can reword it. I can dress it up. I can do whatever you want. That is the mission statement, and it's the words of Jesus. And I think it's good enough. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. We should be doing that as a church, as well. Eighth, holiness. We don't hear a lot about that. Uh, God died for me. Jesus died for me, so it's okay. There's a theological term for that called antinomism, which is, he's paid for all my sin, I'll do whatever I want. And, and actually, that's hard to argue against, because he has paid for everything, but it's not the right heart. It's not, it's not the heart of God, and it's not the heart, really, of a redeemed, saved, uh, sinful person who seeks to obey, knowing they'll get it wrong sometimes. But God is a holy God, and he will not be mocked. And we need to take his body... The, the church seriously. 2 Peter 1.13, therefore prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. He's a holy, he's a holy God and he calls his people to be holy as well in an increasingly unholy world. The ninth thing, we're whizzing through, caring. I put here, be responsive to the needs of others, especially your church family. You might say, well, you know, actually, we can care for people as much outside the church as we do inside. Why should we care more for the people inside? I'm not really suggesting that. But there is a scripture, Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We have a duty of care to one another. We have a duty of care to look out for one another. Uh, if we're one body, many parts, when one part hurts, we all hurt. And, we, we, and I think we've got this here. I think we are a caring congregation. Numerous times I hear of someone who's been sick or, or things are not going too well and I find out five people have already been there uh, ahead of us. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear uh, as a minister. An attempt thing. 
finally, really, all wrapped up in this is stand. You know, stand for God. If you've got to stand for someone, stand for God. If you're going to be called a fool, be called a fool for Christ. You know, Paul's called the scum of the earth, the fool for Christ. I mean, I've got a book in my office. Uh, it's got all the things that Paul was called. It's not actually really that nice. He's called loads of names. But if people want to call me the scum of the earth or a fool for Christ, I'd rather be a fool for Christ than a fool for anybody else. You know, his, he is the truth. And if I can say I'm going to stand for him, no matter what, is thrown at me, that's got to be a good thing. I want to stand for God and his truth. And there's a passage I picked, which any minister, and most ministers probably get it at their ordination induction, but it is real standing orders uh, for us and, and really for all of us. But 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And that's what I want to be able to say. You know, there is an end to this ministry of mine, or of God's. There's an end to your life, as you know it, and as Jesus returns while you're still living. But there is an end. And I want to say at the end, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and I look forward to the reward. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's, that's a great thing to hope for. You know, and I think we need, it's the commitment that's really needed. And we need to stand firm. I want him to say, yeah, you, this doctrine came up, and Ian, you, you didn't have it. You went to the word, you stood firm. Culture told me you should think this way, but you stood firm. People were trying to draw you elsewhere and say things are not quite... Did God really say? Which was the original temptation right at the beginning. But you stood firm. And now there is in store for you a crown of righteousness. That's got to be the goal. I've got to be able to stand firm. If I start messing around with this, and if you start messing around with this, there's no real truth. We've gone to the way of society. There is no truth. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Jesus said, I am the truth. This is the truth. And we've got to stay with it. And the encouragement to finish from 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every deed and word. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word and we do want to stand firm. We want to take on these these bullet points, really, of, of making small adjustments that will have a huge impact on our community and our church life here. And I thank you, Lord, for this, this group of people called your family, where we are at Billericay Baptist Church, across all of the congregations, all of the meeting places, all of the DG groups, all of the ministry. I thank you, Lord, that we're one body, many parts. 
And Lord, where we've, where we've neglected maybe our commitment, where we've neglected the necessity of church, please forgive us and restore us and Lord, fill us with your spirit and help us to realise that apart from you, we can do nothing. With you, we can do so much more. And you are the, the church is the body of Christ. And, and Lord, help us to take that really seriously. As we move forward into 2020, we thank you that you remain head of the church. We thank you for the growth in the church globally. And we pray, Lord, for significant growth here because we want to be a healthy congregation that grows. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.